This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation, we're just two weeks into the new year, and Washington is already swamped in scandals. The questions engulfing the Biden administration about the top-secret documents discovered late last year and last week continue to grow as we learned yesterday of even more classified pages discovered at his Delaware home just hours after the appointment of a special prosecutor. Unsurprisingly, there have been cries of hypocrisy and promises of subpoenas from Republicans. I wonder why the press isn't asking the same questions of him as vice president taking classified documents that they were asking President Trump. But reporters have expressed disbelief. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? My Corvette's in a lock garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. And exasperation with the administration's response. Republicans are facing their own scandal with the most notorious member of the freshman class, New York's George Santos. The questions about who knew what and when about George Santos, who has admitted to falsifying his resume and is now under multiple criminal investigations, also continue to grow. Some New York Republicans have called for him to quit, but the party leadership is circling the political wagons, as Santos is a desperately needed vote in the House. Are you going to take any action against him at this point? Are any of these allegations acceptable to you? What are the charges against him? Well, I mean, is there a charge against him? But, you know, in America today, you're innocent until proven guilty. Now there are new reports that some in Republican politics knew Santos was sketchy well before he was elected. We'll talk with former federal prosecutor turned New York Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman, plus Utah Republican Congressman Chris Stewart. Finally, a closer look at a trend that Martin Luther King Jr. told Face the Nation he was concerned about and where we stand today. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation.
Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. The classified documents controversy facing the White House grew yet again this weekend with the news that five more classified pages were found on Thursday. The investigation began back in November when Attorney General Merrick Garland assigned Chicago U.S. Attorney John Lausch to look into the discovery of documents that included some top secret information in a D.C. office once used by Mr. Biden. Although that discovery was six days before the midterm elections, the first time the public heard about it was last Monday, when the White House responded to inquiries from CBS News. CBS News correspondent and Weekend News Saturday anchor Adriana Diaz broke this story, and she is back in Chicago with the latest. Adriana? Good morning, Margaret. We now know of roughly 20 classified records recovered from where they should not have been. An office at a Washington think tank where Mr. Biden spent time after he was vice president, Mr. Biden's garage in Wilmington and in a room next to that garage. That's where the latest five pages were discovered Thursday evening, extending what's become a complicated saga. The latest discovery of classified material came just hours after the attorney general, citing extraordinary circumstances, announced to the appointment of special counsel Robert Herr. This morning, President Biden's personal counsel called Mr. Lausch and stated that an additional document bearing classification markings was identified at the president's personal residence in Wilmington, Delaware. Thursday evening, special counsel to the president, Richard Sauber, who says he was selected to turn over that additional document because he has security clearance, said he went to the House along with DOJ officials. While I was transferring it, he said in a statement Saturday, five additional pages with classified markings were discovered. Republicans much. have pounced on an administration that has prided itself on transparency. They knew this has happened to President Biden before the election, but they kept it a secret from the American public. Legal experts say there are some similarities, but also some key differences between President Biden and former President Trump, who's under a separate special counsel investigation, not just for potentially mishandling hundreds of classified documents found at his Florida residence last year, but also for thwarting attempts to recover those documents and obstructing the government's investigation. In September, President Biden was critical of Trump during an interview with 60 Minutes. How that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought... What data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. The steady pace of new developments has many wondering what's next. Should we expect more documents? The short answer is maybe. Part of the reason classified records keep turning up is that the president's personal lawyers who've been looking through his papers don't have the clearance to view classified materials. So when they find something, they stop so someone with clearance can take over. In the case of the Wilmington House, that person found more. Margaret? Adriana, thank you. We're joined now by senior White House and political correspondent Ed O'Keefe. Ed, Talk to me about transparency. Why didn't the president's lawyers or the White House acknowledge this? Well, look, they, they think they've handled this by the book, at least from a legal perspective. And ultimately, that's what they're more concerned about. They believe this was a mistake that recent history shows when these things are mistakenly found by people who had access to classified information and they turn it over quickly. It gets dealt with quickly by the Justice Department. Maybe somebody gets slapped on the wrist and they move on. But the issue with public transparency and the president not being straight with the American public is certainly going to linger now and be the subject of questions not only in the press, but probably from his critics on Capitol Hill. And we still don't know why there were lawyers 
searching the offices on November 2nd when they found these documents. And the Penn Biden Center has not returned CBS's calls and questions on that very basic fact. Um, But uh, fast forward to the special counsel. How is this going to affect the administration? Well, in the statements that were released on Saturday, the White House now says we're not even confirming basic details anymore. You have any, you go to the Justice Department. They're the ones taking questions. This essentially ties the hands of the White House on this matter in terms of information flow. Democrats on the outside looking in, frustrated and concerned for their colleagues, as one of them said to me, you know, this week they were trying to put lipstick on a pig. The problem is they were handed 50 pigs and only one stick of lipstick. This is incoming like they had not anticipated it all before. And as the White House tries to keep focused on other things, you should expect that they're going to just keep focused, for example, on the economy, as the president did this past week, as he will in the coming week. They've warned now that the debt limit showdown is coming, and that has to be dealt with. They've been trying to talk about the accomplishments in the last two years. As one Democrat put it to me, at the end of the day, do Americans care that classified information was found in the homes of the former president and the current president? Maybe, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they're probably more concerned about the basic price of groceries. And, and so the White House is more likely to try to keep focused on those things and keep sending it to the Justice Department. But they clearly had a problem this week with this, especially because you have a president who made campaign and day one promises of transparency, and they weren't kept here for whatever reason. Lots of questions still to come. And we know you'll continue asking them. Ed, thank you for joining us. We go now to Congressman Dan Goldman, former U.S. attorney in New York, who served as the lead counsel for the Democrats in the first impeachment trial of former President Trump. So you may recognize him. Good morning to you, Congressman. Good morning, Margaret. So uh, let's start with the appointment of the special counsel. I know you were asked last week and you said you did not think one was necessary. Um, Given what we now know and the developments, do you still think it was a mistake to appoint her as a special counsel? I don't think it was a mistake. I, I, I don't think any of us really have a good understanding of what information the attorney general had when he Uh, decided to appoint Mr. Hur as the special counsel. But I do think it goes to a really important fact that is being missed here, which is that this administration is doing things by the book. There is a divide and a separation between the Department of Justice and the White House that certainly did not exist in the last administration. And President Biden and his team have reached out to the archives. They've reached out to the Department of Justice. They have done everything they can to cooperate. And that's in direct contrast to what former President Trump has done, Mm -hmm. where he has obstructed justice at every turn. Right. Uh, Doing things by the book now, but obviously in the handling of classified material, not by the book, um, because the regulations are pretty clear there. Can you explain to me, um, for the search that we just laid out that was happening at the president's home, uh, for the current president, his Wilmington home on Thursday, why would he send lawyers who don't have a security clearance to search for classified material? I'm not sure, uh, and we don't know the circumstances of that. Um, but certainly the documents leave uh, the vice president's office and have to be stored somewhere. I do hope we will find out more information about it. But as you see from the White House's statement, from the personal attorney Bob Bauer's statement, they are doing everything by the book. They take this classified information 
being where it should not be, and we all acknowledge it should not be there. They take it very seriously, and they are abiding by the laws. They have reached out and been as cooperative as possible, and that's part of the reason why they can't speak, is that they would be potentially interfering with an ongoing investigation, which, once again, this administration takes very seriously. So can you explain on Thursday why a White House attorney, someone who's paid by U.S. taxpayers, was the one with the security clearance who got in the car and drove down to Delaware to then pick up where those lawyers who didn't have security clearance left off and then found the five classified documents. Why is it appropriate for a a White House lawyer to be involved in this personal matter? Well, because it involves uh, classified information, which belongs to the government. Um, And this White House lawyer, Mr. Stauber, has security clearance. So the personal attorneys, once they found a classified document, have to put it down, stop. And and then the White House counsel, yes, of course that's appropriate. When you have matters of national security, you need to make sure that those who have clearance to review them are reviewing them. And once again, we're, we're focusing on a lot of the nitty gritty details here. The bigger picture is broad cooperation from the president who clearly takes this very seriously. And that that should be really underscored here, as, had, as well as the importance of an independence of the Department of Justice. You had an op ed last year um, about the 45th president and the issues with classified material. And you laid out four factors you said prosecutors need to look at intent to distribute clear knowledge of importance, volume of the material and whether or not investigators had been lied to. Is that the set of criteria you also think President Biden needs to be judged on? It absolutely is. And I think if you go through those criteria in each one, they do not apply. We don't have any indication that President Biden knew about them. He certainly has demonstrated no intent to deceive or obstruct the the government by keeping them. And that's in direct contrast to President Trump, who refused to cooperate, who refused to comply with a subpoena, and who ultimately forced the Department of Justice to execute a search warrant to retrieve the classified documents. When you look at this very clearly and you compare them, there is no comparison. Those four factors, I believe, apply to President Trump and none of them apply to President Biden. And that is where we need to be uh, centering this conversation. I want to ask you about your first week in Congress. Um, One of the things you did was hand deliver this ethics complaint to your fellow New Yorker, uh, Republican George Santos. He's under local, state, federal and international investigation. you need a simple majority to to move ahead with any kind of ethics action. Do you have any Republicans supporting what you're trying to do here? Well, the Speaker of the House indicated that the uh, he would support an ethics investigation. And in fact, this morning, uh, Congressman Torres and I sent a letter to Speaker McCarthy, Chairwoman Stefanik, and the head of the Congressional Leadership Fund, Kevin McCarthy's uh, camp super PAC arm, because there's really, really bombshell indication and reporting from the New York Times that they all knew about Mr. Santos's lies prior to the election. And as part of this investigation, we are calling on them to be fully cooperative with the investigators, both in Congress and outside of Congress, to disclose exactly what they knew about Mr. Santos's lies and whether they were complicit in the scheme to defraud voters. Well, you know, for folks at home who aren't following this with great degree of detail, 
They hear Kevin McCarthy say things like the Speaker McCarthy say things like, well, other people have also said things that aren't true and they work in Congress. They look at the fact that Senator Menendez of New Jersey has said he knows of an ongoing federal probe that involves him. A number of Democrats have failed to disclose stock trades, other things like that. Why is this case different and how is this not just politics? Can you explain it? George, sure. George Santos is a complete and total fraud. Everything that he said about himself on the campaign trail, nearly everything, has proven to be a lie. His financial disclosures uh, are, have clear false statements and omissions, and that's what we referred to the Ethics Committee for an investigation to get to the bottom of whether he broke the law. Mm -hmm. Eight Republican Congress members have called on him to resign. This is not like any of the other examples you're talking about. This is a scheme to defraud the voters of the third district in New York, and this needs to be investigated mm -hmm. intensively. And, it, and Mr. Santos needs to think twice about whether he belongs in Congress. And more okay. importantly, the speaker needs to think twice about whether Mr. Santos is fit to serve in Congress. We will be tracking that story. Thank you very much, Congressman. And we turn now to Republican Congressman Chris Stewart of Utah. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. You sit on the Intelligence Committee, which has um, asked for more information from the Director of National Intelligence in regard to the Biden documents but when you were on CNN last week, you said you really doubt that there's something that could endanger national security here. Do you think this is just an overreaction to this story? No, I don't. I mean, I, I do think it's unlikely that, you know, when President Trump had this similar experience, some of the media and others claimed, oh, he has nuclear codes, nuclear secrets. I said at the time, I find that extraordinarily unlikely. And I, un unlikely. And I think that the same thing would be true of this situation. Well, they're probably not that type of that type of information. But if I could make this point very quickly about, mm -hmm. you know, the likelihood of him being unaware of this. I mean, uh, not only on, my, on the intelligence committee, I was an Air Force pilot. I flew the B-1. I've dealt with with classified documents almost my entire life. And you have to know every one of these documents there. They have a, a cover sheet that's that's red. Yeah. It says what the classification is and why it's classified every single page has a classification marking on it. This isn't the kind of thing that you just sit on your desk and you think, oh, I forgot that they're classified. It's very clear that they're classified. And for those who think that, well, the president didn't realize that he had those in his possession, it, it just is nonsense. Of course he knew that he had them. They're so obvious. And you're applying that standard to, to both cases here. Um, CBS is reporting that there was top secret information in the documents found in uh, Biden's possession. You told CNN that there may be even more sensitive information at a higher classification than that, um, TSSCI. Yeah. Do you know that to be a fact? Or were you informed of that? No, we don't know that yet, okay. although it's been it's been reported, but it would be very, very important. I mean, SCI, special compartmented yeah. information, it limits it to a few dozen people in some cases, some cases even less. That would be extraordinary if that was the because case. Because that was what we have reported was in the, the Trump case, that there was TSSCI, yeah. um, that classification level. Um, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence has decided not to comment uh, on these matters at this point. Have they informed your committee when you might get some kind of update or briefing either uh, on the 45th president or the current one? Yeah. Well, we do know this. The, the Director of National Intelligence can choose not to comment to the American people. 
but she can't choose not to comment to us. We have requested an analysis of these documents, the potential harm that they may have caused, and I expect that we'll receive that within the next few weeks, and, and we should receive that in the next few weeks. If these documents were available for a long period of time in, in such an open environment as a garage, for heaven's sakes, now I understand the garage was locked as the president made a point, but still they were available. It's important for us to understand the potential damage these documents and these documents being available it may have caused to the American and American security. So what do you expect to get in the next few weeks? Because I understand the director has not yet briefed on the, the Trump case. Yeah, again, we expect to have an analysis of what these documents were, the classification of them, the material that was included in them, and potential security breaches and the threat to national security as a result of these documents not being secure. Okay. Um, I, I want to move on to other matters because I understand you're also on the Appropriations Committee. Um, the Treasury Secretary says we're going to hit that debt ceiling on the 19th and have to go into extraordinary measures to make sure the federal government pays bills here. Um, can, you, can you guarantee that Republicans will work with Democrats to make sure we don't trigger an economic crisis? Well, we certainly want to work with them, and we hope that they'll work with us, and the president will work with us. Look, I, I'm not a fan of government shutdowns. I honestly don't know anyone who is. It doesn't help. On the other hand, I do want to make this point. It's so important. Look, the reason that we're dealing with inflation that we are, which has been generational, and it's worth remembering, it hurts the poorest among us. The mm -hmm. working poor are those who are most impacted by inflation. And the primary cause, in fact, I would argue almost the single cause is government spending and government debt. Well, it's, it's a pile we of issues. It's a pile of issues that we've covered in depth on, on this program. But, but on this issue dealing with your work in Congress, can you avert having uh, the credit, credit worthiness in the United States called into question if, yeah. you know, by actually coming to an agreement um, to, to deal with this issue before yeah. Um, we get to a position of talking about a government shutdown. Yeah, well, I, I think that we can and we should. But, but to finish my other point, because it's actually relevant to your question about inflation because government spending, if that's true and it is true, then you have to understand there will be Republicans who will say, we need to reform. We need to use this as a vehicle to try to put to some limits on our spending and our debt and our deficits. And I am one of them, and there are many others who will be. So the question that you've asked now is, are those two principles, you know, the fact we need to reform and cut our deficits and our spending, can we yeah. reconcile that with, at the same time, we don't want to harm the credit of the United States government? That's our goal. I think Republicans are aligned on that. I hope the president okay. is as well. And hopefully we get to agreement on that. Hopefully. Um, I, I want to ask you about uh, George Santos, as you heard me ask your yeah. Democratic colleague. Uh, can an elected official who's under that many investigations be trusted as a lawmaker? Should he resign? Well, it's, it's a core question. Look, I don't know Mr. Santos. I've never had a chance to talk with him. As you observe Do you need this, to talk to him to have an answer to that question? Well, no, I don't, which is, as I was just going to say, as you observe this, it's pretty hard not to conclude he's a bit of a goofball. He clearly lied to his constituents. And to your point as well, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to gain the trust of his colleagues. And I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, the, the reality is, is you can't expel a member of Congress. At the end of the day, it really is up to the voters of Nassau County. I can tell you this, mm -hmm. if I were in okay. that situation, I don't know how I could continue to serve. And I, had, I suppose yeah. he needs to ask that same question. We will continue to ask that. Congressman, thank you for your time this morning. We'll be back in a minute. Stay with us. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop 
Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. President Biden will become the first sitting president to speak during a Sunday service at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, where Reverend Martin Luther King was once a pastor. King appeared on Face the Nation in May of 1964 when he was working along with President Johnson to get the Civil Rights Act passed. Dr. King, in light of recent statements of Senator Barry Goldwater and, in some cases, Richard Nixon, do you think there is a real danger of the Republican Party becoming the white man's party in this country? I think this is a real danger, and I've talked with some uh, Negro Republicans who are very concerned about this. Uh, I see trends and developments which uh, will reveal that unless the liberals of the Republican Party take... Uh, a much more de- play a much more decisive role in leadership positions, this will become a white man's party. And I think this would be tragic for the Republican Party as well as tragic for the nation. Today, the 118th Congress is the most racially and ethnically diverse in U.S. history. And it's been trending up for the last seven Congresses. There are a total of 60 black members in the House and Senate. Only five are Republicans. According to the Pew Institute, 13 percent of House members are black, which is on par with the black population in the U.S. for the very first time. When Congress passed the Civil Rights Act two months after Martin Luther King spoke on Face the Nation, there were just five, all House Democrats. Welcome back to Face the Nation. And we are back now with some analysis. Michael Morell is a CBS national security contributor and the former deputy director of the CIA. Lucius Outlaw is professor of law at Howard University, and Larry Pfeiffer is the director of the Hayden Center here in Washington and a former White House official. Good morning to all of you. Um, and I'm hoping you can sort of give us a few bottom lines on what is a developing story here. Larry, I want to start with you because you ran the White House Situation Room as its senior director. So you know how the current president, when he was vice president, interacted with classified material. Um, just blanket statement. Anyone who keeps documents marked top secret in their personal possession would face a high degree of scrutiny. When is it a criminal act? Uh, it becomes a criminal act, I think, when there is intention to remove the documents to a location. Um, in, in my experience, 32 years in the intel community, time at the White House, you know, accidents happen. These are paper documents. People carry them in folders. Um, you know, sometimes they, they walk out with them and, 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 and they will discover that they've taken them. And when they discover that they've taken them by accident, they will quickly return them or have somebody return them uh, to appropriate location. And I think that's what happened here. 
Why do you think that? Well, just from at least what, what we've heard so far, it looks to me like um, somebody probably unknowingly took some mixed group of papers, threw them in a box, and uh, and then they got shipped off to the residence. I think we heard that some you of the doctors... it's a staff problem, that yeah. they also were touching this classified information? Oh, yeah, I'm, I, I sincerely doubt that Joe Biden himself threw these things in a box and, and, and shipped them off to the White House. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sorry to his residence. I'm sure that this was a staff, a staff issue. It was some, some aide who in a hurry in the last days of the administration, was just grabbing materials and throwing them in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we even heard that it was in, some of this material was in boxes that included material about his son's funeral. So they may have seen, you know, son, Bo Biden funeral arrangements and thought, oh, okay, let's just put this in a box, not realizing that there were other documents intermingled. Um, Mike Morrell, you were the deputy CIA director, as, as we mentioned. Um, you know how to take classified material into your home in a secure fashion. I imagine not in a garage, uh, necessarily, as the president said there. Um, But for six years, these documents were in private possession. Is there a risk there? Margaret, there is absolutely a risk anytime there are classified documents um, that are not in a controlled facility. And as you said, um, there's a number of years where these documents um, were not handled properly. So there is absolutely a risk. Um, I believe that the intelligence community needs to do a damage assessment. Uh, House intelligence committees asked for that. They deserve it, um, just as they do in the case of uh, former President Trump. Uh, it, so one of the questions has come up, um, and, and Lucius, perhaps you, uh, Professor Atlaw, perhaps you can weigh in here. Um, this also came up with the Trump case. If it's not the president himself packing up the classified material, if there are other aides, they also may have legal exposure here. Um, we know that one of those uh, staffers was questioned, Kathy Chung. She currently works at the Pentagon. She was an assistant. Is somebody like that here at great legal risk? Well, there's always going to be some risk, but it's really going to come down to intent. Was there some kind of criminal intent or was this negligence or even recklessness? And I think that's what the Department of Justice is going to really weigh out. And when it comes to the president's, I really don't think the DOJ is going to go towards a criminal prosecution about classified documents because there's so many open legal questions about presidents and classified documents and whether or not those criminal statutes apply to presidents. And Garland and the DOJ know that those questions will end up at the Supreme Court. And they can have no confidence that in a legal fight with Trump or even with Biden, but mostly with Trump, that they will be successful in a fight against Trump at the Supreme Court about executive power and the use of power by Trump. So in both cases, the 45th president and the current one, you don't think that there will actually end up being any prosecutions? I don't think there'll be prosecutions in regards to crim- about classified information. The obstruction, that's a completely different story. And I think we already see signs. That's where the DOJ is headed in terms of Trump. When they serve the warrant, the warrant application specifies the actual criminal statutes that they're investigating. Not one of those statutes mm-hmm. has anything to do with classified materials. Most of the statutes have to do with obstruction. And I think that's the cleanest, best path, because it doesn't matter if you're a president. Either you obstruct or you didn't. You don't have presidential power to obstruct justice. So I think that is the easiest and most likely course for the DOJ. So, Larry Pfeiffer, if you could weigh in here. Um, We heard from Dan Goldman, a congressman, that he thinks it's entirely 
appropriate in terms of how the White House is handling this and the president's private attorneys. Should they be sending, in your view, lawyers with no no security clearances to search for classified documents? And then should White House attorneys be involved in any way in this case? Well, uncleared people should not be searching through boxes looking for classified material because it, it now exposes classified material to somebody who shouldn't be seeing it. Um, my understanding is that some of these individuals may have previously had clearances, which maybe attenuates the circumstances a little bit. Um, whether it's White House lawyers are involved or not, I, I think that's a, dis- a discretion of the president as to whom perhaps he trusts. Uh, as an intelligence professional for 30 plus years, I think I would have liked to have seen maybe an intelligence or a security professional going and doing these searches. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. Mike Morrell, you know, when this issue came to the forefront with uh, former President Trump, one of the defenses of him was, well, there's overt classification and therefore maybe these documents aren't that sensitive. And then, of course, news agencies, including CBS, reported that many of these hundreds of documents actually were um, very sensitive. But what is your view here? Is there a broader issue that two pretty significant men have had this level of issue handling classified information? Margaret, I think there is a broader issue, but it's not overclassification. I worked at the CIA for 33 years. Um, I did not see information um, classified to a level where, where I questioned whether that was appropriate or not. I think the broader issue is now we have two cases of former White Houses as they pack up to leave mishandling classified information. So we have a legal review here by the special counsel. We're going to have a damage assessment on these documents by the intelligence community. I think we need a separate bipartisan task force that looks at how White Houses handle classified information throughout an administration, but particularly at the end. And I think they need to make recommendations going forward so that these documents are handled with much greater rigor. Much greater rigor. What does that mean? Harsher penalties? No, I think it means that um, a special group of individuals, um, perhaps from the partly from the intelligence community, um, but also from the National Security Council, need to go through every box that leaves the White House um, at the end of an administration to make sure that there aren't classified documents in it. Uh, Professor, um- You know, some of the critics and certainly part of the political framing of this is the lack of transparency with the public, um, which we talked about with Ed O'Keefe earlier. Um, It was CBS News that broke this story and then the government acknowledged it. Is that appropriate? Um, Do you think there's anything legally to back up the White House argument that they just couldn't say anything at all? Right. I mean, there's a political question and a legal question. I'm not asking on the legal on the legal side. No, they could have. They could have with the public. What matters most legally is what did they communicate and when to the proper government authorities? Mm -hmm. Was there a delay there? Was there an attempt to impede any kind of investigation? That is what matters legally. Now, what they say in the public may shed light on intent if there's some other charges. But legally, I don't think that's puts them in any jeopardy that they chose to wait to tell the public something they already told the proper government officials. Mm-hmm. I ask you that because we often hear at the White House podium, this is about process. We couldn't go out of the pro- outside the process because it, it could impede an ongoing investigation. Right. And they two things can be true. One, they don't want to impede an investigation, but also they don't want to impact or negatively impact themselves politically right. or midterms or anything of that nature. 
Two things can be true. Right. Two things can be true. Absolutely. <laughs> it is Washington. There is a lot of gray and there's a lot of nuance. But um, uh, Larry Pfeiffer, in the case of Trump, it was more than 300 pages of, of classified information. As we talked about higher levels at in some sensitivity, um, prolonged legal back and forth. But to what degree does that matter versus that question of intent? Um, you know, you're giving the president the benefit of the doubt that mm-hmm. this was an accident. The former president was accused of of doing many things potentially with this information. Well, I think um, the, the volume of the material could actually um, suggest intent. I mean, this was 300 classified documents um, among 11,000 other documents that, that were taken from the White House. Uh, that that just doesn't happen by accident. That ha- there has to be some intent there. Um, now, I, when this story first broke, I, I was one who actually was somewhat willing to give some benefit of the doubt because I've seen these accidents happen in the past. But as that story unfolded, uh, it became pretty clear that, and, and given the obstruction, given the uh, uh, reluctance to cooperate, uh, it suggests uh, there may be uh, you know, more more criminal issues at play with mm-hmm. the Trump situation. Um, and Mike Morrell, we talked about this as well, that the lack of clarity in some ways in terms of the ability to declassify information. Um, I've been talking in recent days to lawyers, too, about when does the vice president get to declassify versus a president? Uh, in your view, does there need to be more sort of um, clarity on what a president can declassify and when? So a president can declassify um, almost anything, not everything, but almost anything that's been classified by the executive branch. The vice president does not have that authority. Um, he's not claiming that in this case. Um, I just want to go back, Margaret, to, to what you said at the very beginning. Um, in both of these cases, we have some top secret documents. That means that those who classified those documents believe that if they get into the wrong hands, there could be exceptionally grave damage to national security. So we have to stay focused on this in terms of of these individual cases, but how do we prevent this from happening going forward? Mm-hmm. All right, Mike Morrell, thank you for your analysis. Uh, Professor Larry, thank you as, much, as well for joining us. And we will be right back. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We are joined now by Chris Whipple, author of a new book about the first two years of the Biden administration. It's called The Fight of His Life, Inside Joe Biden's White House. Good morning to you. Good to be here. Um, And uh, you spent a lot of time working on this book over the past two years. 
and you met a lot of these characters who are so close to Joe Biden, the man and now the president. One of them, Bob Bauer, who is now the president's attorney in regard to this story we've been talking about for most of the show with classified documents. He also happens to be married to one of the president's closest advisors. What do you make of how this is is playing out and why is Bauer the man to defend him here? Well, let me come back to Bob Bauer in a second. But I think that this is a real problem because there's just this constant drip, drip, drip of information that comes out about the documents. And it, it's surprising to some extent because I spent two years talking to almost all of Joe Biden's uh, inner circle. And usually they're much more adept at handling these crises. I can tell you this is the most battened down, disciplined, leak-proof White House in years, as I think you know. Um, so, it's, so it's a little bit surprising. But I think, and you can sympathize when they say that, look, anything we say could be contradicted later. Uh, we can't get ahead of the process, but they really need to raise their game here, I think, because this really goes to the heart of Joe Biden's greatest asset, arguably, which is trust. I mean, maybe not for 30 to 40 percent of the American people, but for Democrats and independents. And that's really at stake here. Uh, Bob Bauer is a, is a fascinating uh, choice to do this. He's, he's a very bright guy. I've interviewed him for the book. Uh, he tells some great stories in it about the transition. Uh, <clears throat> and I think that Bauer is a, is a very smart lawyer and very cautious. He's not going to want the White House to get out there and talk a lot about what's going on. And as you noted, he's, he's married to one of Joe Biden's most uh, influential political advisors, Anita Dunn. So you, you really have to wonder what it's like around that dinner table. Um, so if I know Bob Bauer, he may not even be talking to her about this. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very tight-knit group around the president. It, it has is. been for years. Yeah. Um, how did something like this happen? Well, you know, look, everybody's baffled by it. And you, and you have to wonder uh, if you were to search some of the other presidential properties uh, of other presidents, whether we'd be finding right. the same thing. Uh, I think Mike Morrell's right. There's got to be a much better process. It's just a sloppy process, I think. Mm -hmm. But again, <clears throat> substantively, I think this is really serious in one way, because I think that it now becomes difficult, if not impossible, to bring charges on the Mar-a-Lago documents case. And the reason, the reason I say that is because no matter what anybody says about this being only about the facts and the laws, mm -hmm. it is inarguably a political decision with enormous political ramifications. Jack Smith and Merrick Garland have to be thinking about a jury, choosing a jury, and whether that jury is going to think that what Trump did is all that egregious if documents keep popping up every other day mm -hmm. in Joe Biden's residences. At this point in a presidency, you often see officials rotate out. I know you spoke to Chief of Staff Ron Klain extensively. Is, is he staying on, and should we expect other changes? That's a really big question for Joe Biden. Um, look, he's had a, a very successful two-year presidency, it's particularly, I mean, the second year has been one of the most consequential years for any president in, in modern history. The first year was was tougher. We can talk about that. But <clears throat> I think... I assume you're talking about Afghanistan. Yeah, though. Afghanistan in particular. But I think that Joe Biden, Joe Biden will have a very tough decision to make if Ron Klain decides to move on anytime soon, uh, because those are very large shoes to fill. 
Ron Klain is arguably belongs in elite company, James Baker, Leon Panetta, some of the best chiefs of staff around. Uh, <clears throat> so I think it's going to be a really, really important decision. Um, they didn't tweet like he does. He's, he's very active on Twitter. Um, so let's go to something serious here, Afghanistan. Um, that was a huge black mark on the Biden administration to really have such a, a chaotic withdrawal on something they just really didn't expect to go sideways like it did. I think I think this is a tale of two presidencies, the first year and the second year. Uh, the first year overshadowed by Afghanistan, even though he had a lot of accomplishments that first year. Uh, it was chaotic, God knows, watching it on television. But what I discovered and report in my book is that behind the scenes, there was a lot of drama. Yes. And <clears throat> Tony Blinken, the secretary of state, told me in no uncertain terms that everything we did was based on a fatally flawed intelligence assessment that the Afghan government would last for 18 months. This was news to CIA Director Bill Burns when I sat down with him and talked to him at length about it. He said, look, if you pulled out two legs of the stool, as he put it, American forces and contractors, we, we predicted that that could collapse very quickly. So Afghanistan, um, and, and, and I also have this wonderful story that I mean, Joe Biden shared with me what it was like on the worst day of his presidency, what he called the hardest of the hard days when 13 service members were killed by the suicide bombing in Kabul. Um, afterwards, Biden had to confront, <clears throat> had to try to console uh, the families of those fallen soldiers. Some of them blamed him. Some yeah. of them were upset because he invoked his son, Bo. Mm -hmm. This was personally really wrenching for Joe Biden, and it's a... Uh, it's, a, I think, a, a great insight into him. It's a, compelling, um, it's a compelling book. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Mark. We'll be back in a moment. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Russia launched another wave of missile attacks on Ukraine on Saturday. Explosions were heard in Kyiv this weekend as missiles rained down nearby killing about two dozen people in Dnipro and knocking out critical infrastructure in at least two major cities. Kiev is calling on the West to provide them with advanced air defense systems. Deborah Pata has the latest. A fresh round of missiles unleashed this weekend smashed into a residential apartment block in Dnipro. A reminder, Russian style, this is a war declared largely on civilians. Rescue workers pause to listen for survivors in the dark. Yes, 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 yes. Is someone alive? They shout in unison. Among the dead, children. 
Among the living, this woman, 23-year-old Anastasia Schwetz, who survived by hiding in the bathroom of what was once her seventh-floor apartment. The strikes come at the end of a week of intense combat in the east, where Ukraine is fighting to hold on to Solidar. Russia claims the town is under its control. Ukraine disputes this, saying Moscow is trying to grind down its forces using mercenaries from the Russian paramilitary group Wagner. They've had a lot of losses, Ukrainian soldier Vadim said. They're attacking in waves and walking over the dead bodies. Wagner insists its fighters, not the regular Russian army, seized Solidar, a claim that's led to an internal turf war in Russia over who should get credit for a victory here. But Vladimir Putin desperately needs a win. He's failed to take a single town since July. Wagner's leader, Russian oligarch Yevgeny Prigozhin, made a triumphant visit to Solidar yesterday to hand out medals to his men. They captured it in two weeks, he bragged. They're probably the most experienced army in the world. The truth is they are convicts recruited from prisons across Russia, pardoned in exchange for fighting on the front line, fueling fears that arming hardened criminals could lead to more battlefield atrocities, says Ukrainian military expert Oleksandr Kovalenko. Convicts have no moral line to cross, he told us. Since they arrived on the battlefield, war crimes have increased. Allied support remains strong, with the UK becoming the first Western nation to pledge tanks to Kyiv. Other NATO members are now under pressure to follow suit. Margaret? Deborah Pata, thank you. Here in the U.S., there's a little bit of a bright spot in our economy, as this December's Consumer Price Index indicates that inflation is slowing for the sixth straight month, thanks in most part to falling energy prices. Now, the Fed is expected to continue to raise interest rates, but given the new data, the size and pace of those increases remains an open question. We'll be right back. If you can't watch Face the Nation live, you can set your DVR. We're also available through our CBS and Paramount Plus apps, and we're replayed on our CBS News streaming network throughout the day on Sundays. That's it for us today. Thank you all for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Democratic New York Congressman Dan Goldman, Republican Utah Congressman Chris Stewart, CBS News national security contributor Michael Morrell, director of the Hayden Center Larry Pfeiffer, Howard University law professor Lucius Outlaw, and Chris Whipple, author of The Fight of His Life. That's a new book about the first two years of the Biden presidency. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern, and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount Plus. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. 
Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.